0: Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Like I said this morning, I want to speak into this topic of contentment and discontentment. Contentment and discontentment. We've been talking about... The pace of life and the sometimes rush of life and the fulfillment that sometimes we can found wanting. And I want to tell you that there is two very different lenses that we can see life through. One lens of discontentment and the other lens of, disc, of contentment. And if you're camped over here, and let me say this, qualify this, there'll be different areas of our life that you can probably say that I'm content and discontenting. But if you're, if you're seeing life through a lot of discontentment, can I tell you that I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to do something here this morning that will open our eyes and slightly put on a fresh pair of glasses that can help us see the world a little bit differently here today. I want to help us here this morning. I, want to, I believe there's some things to be broken here this morning for us in the building, but also watching online here today that will help some people. Because the language of discontentment will sound a little bit like this. The language will be like, oh, I really am not satisfied where I am right now. There's an internal dissatisfaction. There's a sense of, oh, I really wish I had that. That house that I really would love to have, I want that, or (laughs) that new wife. No, 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 no. there, there's a discontentment that can exist. It can be a level of coveting. There can be a level of envy. There can be a level of, here's, here's be like, of comparison. Yeah. That what I have is not good enough, and therefore I need this new thing in order to be this word happy. We're going to speak into happiness a little bit here today and talk about some of the truths around happiness. But I wonder if we can go on a journey here today where we indeed, if we are parked in this camp here a little bit, that we actually find ourselves moving more and more into this camp over here and being able to see things through the eyes of being content in Jesus' name. Lord, help me today. I pray that, just as Nicole Jarrett (laughs) messaged me beforehand, she said, preach the word and preach it with fire. And preach it, Lord Father, in a way that people's eyes and ears are opened and hearts are opened. God, would you help us, Holy Spirit, go before me in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Nicole, thank you very much for that message before him, by the way. You're our legend. She's right at the back there. She's often hidden behind the scenes, but thank you. I'll say a message to thank you all of our teams. They're just absolutely unbelievable. So thank you, Nicole, for that. Hey, I'm going to look at the first scripture here today from Ecclesiastes. Um, I actually reread... The whole of Ecclesiastes, there's 12 chapters um, of brilliance. And the author, we don't necessarily know for sure who the author is, but we suspect it's probably Solomon. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book of wisdom. Um, and it's often a, a book that is referred to, it's a bit of a sobering book in many ways, because um, Solomon goes out and basically says this word meaningless a whole heap. That a lot of what we do these days is meaningless. <laughs> Stop chasing after things and stop being so consumed by things because it's all meaningless. He's, he calls a, a spade as a spade. He sort of says, one day you're going to die. So just get on with life as well as you possibly can because you're going to live for eternity. So have an eternal perspective. Stop chasing after all the money, Stop chasing after all the things. And, and, and basically he's, he's putting things in perspective a fair bit. So Ecclesiastes 6 verses 9 says, Enjoy. Everyone say enjoy. enjoy. He doesn't say tolerate. He doesn't say put up with. He says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoy what you do have instead of desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, he says. He says it's like chasing the wind. If you haven't read Ecclesiastes for a little while, do yourself a favor this week. Go and read Ecclesiastes. A little bit of homework for you guys. It's 12 easy chapters, but it will do you well. Next scripture, Psalm 39, verses 6. It says, we are merely moving shadows. I love what the psalmist here says. We're merely moving shadows. shadows, And all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. Anyone ever been busy and rush around a little bit at times? What does that say here? It says it ends in nothing. It says we heap up wealth, and this word wealth is not necessarily just a financial thing, it's a, it's a materialistic uh, word. Here. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. In vain, they, and speaking to us here today, they rush about heaping on wealth without even knowing who will finally be. You know, this morning I want to speak primarily from the scriptures that Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 4 where he actually speaks to this idea of being content, of contentment. And uh, Paul utters the words uh, in this particular scripture that we're going to look at here today. He says, I have learned what it means to be content with whatever I have, with whatever I have, with whatever I have. You know, this is, for me, it's an important topic because the issues of discontentment is often what drives us to living in a way where our pace of life is not healthy because we're not satisfied with the things that we have now and so there's this drive it's like uh, Ali she, she refers to something like as, as an, in, an internal itch um, I'm not too sure if anyone else is I don't I don't get it just, let me preface it this way she's, she's she says something to me I just don't understand it because I've got this internal itch it's like she could have an itch on her hands but she can't locate it. Has anyone else had that before? Oh, so lots of people, oh, I thought I was the only one. Like, like, what are you doing, Ali? Anyway, she says, like, I, I, I'm trying to scratch it on my hand, but I can't quite find it. And this is what discontentment does. It's like this sense of, like, I, I know there's an itch there, but I can't quite get to it. And what I'm going to suggest here today, that there's actually a deeper thing going on in us that's not necessarily if we get a certain kind of, job promotion or something like that, we suddenly find ourselves, okay, okay I can scratch that itch now. I actually think that there's a, there's a deep soul issue going on there that we can speak to here today. And it's a, it's a big thing because our world here today, it, it promotes this idea is more is better. That what you have right now, you need to get more because then you'll be happier. And There's a, there's a sort of a, a sense, of look after yourself, you're number one, go and make sure you get what's yours. And like one of my favorite things that, well, it's not my favorite, one of the slogans I hear is, like, I'll only ever be happy when I dot, 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 when, when I when I get the marriage that I'm really wanting to have, when I'm getting the, the sense of having that promotion, or finishing that university, or when I'm, I have this ability to be able to change my personality because I don't like my personality right now, or... We find ourselves desiring things like, you know, when I want to get that boat or get that house or get that car or get that new iPhone or whatever it might be, this con- discontentment that can drive some of this language, some of this thinking, some of these lenses we see the world through, we can find ourselves very quickly leaving this camp and find ourselves over there. And this pursuit of happiness, which is what I like to kind of coin it here today, this pursuit of happiness, it's been a lie, that has been sold to us. And I know it's a lie because I can tell it by its fruit that it brings. I found that when you do earn more money, guess what happens? You spend more money. (laughs) And then you want more money. I found that, I want to say this in the right way, in in a good way. I want to say miserably single people can find themselves miserable married people just with a ring on your finger. Being content is so powerful of how we can actually then deliver our lives into the future. People who jump from job to job to job to job to job, who blame the boss or blame the work or blame the money, and you've had 15 jobs in 15 weeks, you think, maybe the problem's in you. Maybe there's something that we need to look at here today because there's a discontentment going on that's actually train wrecking your life right now. And this is not a message to say that you shouldn't be healthy and prosperous and successful. In fact, I want to pray the opposite prayer to that. I'm praying that you have God's blessings upon your life, left, right, and center. I'm praying that you guys do get your job promotions and you do find yourself in success. But what I'm saying, if it becomes like an idol in your life, what happens? Here's the thing with discontentment. We, we pursue like an idol. And what happens is that we actually miss the provisions that God has given us. We miss the miracles in our hands sometimes. And what happens is a bit like the Israelites, they were in a situation where um, they, they were freed from Egypt and they were living in the, um, in, in the wilderness. And, and God says, okay, you need food. So what does he do? He provides food for them. What does he give them? The quail. quail and manna. Okay, he gives quail manna. And so miraculously, it falls from heaven. It, it finds themselves in the dew of the day that they can actually have all their water and all their, all their nutrients. And instead of saying, thank you for this blessing, thank you for this provision, thank you for the miracle that you've given me, what do they do? Okay, they, they start to complain. They start to whinge. They start to find themselves, hey. And what they do, they, they lost sight of the provision that God had actually given them. I wonder here this morning, Do we have provisions in our hands that we don't yet see? I wonder if God's wanting to say, hey, I'm ready to give you the next thing, but first I want you to see what's in your hands. I want you to be able to find out that being content with what you have now is actually okay. I want you to be like Paul who says, I've learned what it means, and that word learned is so important. But I've learned what it means to be content with whatever. You know, it's the same lie, the same deception that Adam Adam and Eve had in the garden. It's the same lie. It's the same root. Because what happens is that Adam and Eve they have the whole garden. Just leave that one thing. And it's funny how like discontentment can be like a lens the way we see things. Like discontentment, what it does is instead of seeing the whole of the garden, what do they see? They see the one thing they can't have. It's crazy how it's like. A, it's, it's like a, it's a refocusing that takes place. And what I want to help us today is that let's refocus and put the right lens on so instead of seeing perhaps the one thing that we desire to have. And desiring or dreaming is not a bad thing. Okay, let me emphasize that. But when it becomes like, I have to have that one thing before I can be satisfied, before I can be happy, before I can be, um, live a life of fulfillment, I have to have that one thing. Let's get our eye off the one thing and actually see the provisions and the glory and the goodness that God has actually got for us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And so it's the lie that says we can't be satisfied with what we have right now. And because of this, our souls, our bodies, they're going to overdrive in order to satisfy the internal itch. Philippians 4. Let's look at that scripture um, here today if you've got your Bibles. I'm going to bring out three areas or three truths that I think can help us in order to live content lives. Paul, it was towards the end of his journey serving Christ. He's, as he writes this, he's, he's in a prison out of all places. To be talking about being content, he's chained up, he's probably in very poor conditions, he's old. Um, most theologians suggest that perhaps this was his final point or one of his last points before he actually did pass away. And so he's writing from a perspective where he's kind of writing his last letters He's writing sort of in a way where he's like wanting to be able to say, hey, this is what I've kind of learned in life. He's been pastoring this particular church for about 10 years. He writes this, the letter too. And he finds himself in places where he's wanting to, to help them with the uh, last few things. and uh, let's, look at, let's look at this particular scripture here today where it says, Philippians 4 verses 10. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerns. But you did not have the opportunity to show it. What's happening, just so that you're aware, it was contextually appropriate at the time that what would happen is that if a pastor or a minister or an apostle found themselves in prison, that the church would then go and help them out. They would provide for them, whether it be sort of food and clothing and support. And what was happening here is that because the, that the people of his church couldn't come and see him, He's kind of making this statement here that, you know, you had... I know you were concerned, it, you just didn't have the opportunity to come and see me during this time. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have, this word, is learns to be content. Now, it's interesting that you have to learn to be content. Now, if you reverse engineer that for a second, perhaps by nature, we find ourselves easily over here. And we are got to learn. In other words, we're going to put into practice we are going to make sure we actually put the glasses so we can see the lens different. We've got to do the refocusing so that we can actually find ourselves living over here. Be careful of being the natural pathway, the pathway of least resistance, the pathway of natural ease. I can suggest that probably you're going to find yourself on that pathway over here. And what I want to encourage us here today that paul's saying i 've learned to be content what he 's saying here is i didn 't always know this i didn 't always figure this out I, wasn't, I had to have some things happen to me in my life where I had to put my faith and my trust and my hope in God so that then I could be having this like, almost this proven formula that God is actually for me he 's good he 's faithful to the very end and he says i 've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance that includes even having bad Bad Wi-Fi for all you millennials out there. <laughs> I don't forget taking a group of students away on a, uh, on a camping trip. And I deliberately went to a place where there was no uh, Wi-Fi. There was no reception. And you should have seen the faces of all these year 10 students because like, what am I going to do without phone reception for like six hours? This is like the worst thing. It's like they're literally having a midlife crisis because they had their phone reception taken away from there. And I remember driving home on the bus and... We obviously went back into reception and all the phones started beeping because of the messages. Everyone's like, praise the Lord, we're back in reception and so forth. But what Paul's saying here is that whatever the circumstance, I've learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. Even some of you here this morning, you might be able to say, you know what? I'm in a place of need right now. Some of you might be in a place where you're saying, I'm actually in a place of plenty. But he's learnt both. I've learnt the secret, and I love how you use the word secret. I actually don't think the answer is too hard to find, but perhaps in our world today, where we are so consumed by the next thing, it has become a secret for some. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, whether hungry, whether living in plenty or in wants. And here comes the probably the most quoted scripture out of context. (laughs) Uh, I actually went to a Christian gym one time and I saw, you know, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, like, this this is like the bodybuilders kind of uh, scripture you're going to say right now. It says, I can do all things through him. Other scriptures, uh, other translations are, through Christ who gives me strength. And this is the key. It's through Christ who gives me strength. So if you've got something something to write on here today, if you've got something to take some notes, I'm going to give three simple keys that I believe will help us from this scripture, that can help us to live in this contentment tent. Number one, I want to encourage us, pursue and choose gratitude. Pursue and choose gratitude. Gratitude is an attitude that will indeed be a thankfulness that comes through. We sang a song here today. I've forgotten the exact words. I'm really bad with knowing words of different songs. Um, but I know that there was on the lines of, I can't believe how good you've been to me. And I want to thank you, God, for all that you have done for me. Choose, great for, choose, choose gratitude. Um, let's look in verse 10 of that particular scripture in Philippians. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. You know, in verse 4 of this particular um, chapter, he actually goes along and says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul's on this little thing right now and being able to say, hey, it's important to make sure we find ourselves rejoicing in the Lord. Paul's saying that it's not my situation that regulates my satisfaction. I'll say that again. It's not my situation that regulates my satisfaction. I'm not, he's basically saying, I'm not going to allow my circumstance to dictate my praise here today. I'm not going to allow my situation to be able to dictate how much I give God thanks today. I'm not going to dictate, I'm not going to have my situation. He's saying, I, I know right now that I am in, I'm in prison. I know that I'm an old man of ill health. I know that I'm in a situation where perhaps in the worldly sense, it doesn't look all that healthy, but I'm going to choose to go and give him Praise here. I'm going to choose to give him rejoice. I know Brooke Gillette, she's not here today, but I'm going to be able to testify of her story. I know. That I remember sitting in that back room over there and we we're praying for um, Sean and Brooke at the time that we're believing that, that we're going to have a kid one day. This is before they had a chance to have, 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 have children. They've now been blessed with two beautiful children and we give God all the glory for that. But during the time when they were waiting, Brooke uttered, tears coming down her eyes. If you're watching today, Brooke, I just want to say thank you so You inspired me with your faith. But she said, I'm going to choose to worship in the wait. And this is like the same way of being able to declare, I'm rejoicing God. I'm going to choose to worship him. I'm going to choose to lift up his name. Despite my circumstances right now, I'm going to come to a place of faith where I believe, God, you are more than enough. It's the same kind of prayer that Paul and Silas had when they were thrown in prison. And at midnight, instead of going and having a bit of a sob story to themselves and going to sleep, they decided to open up in a worship of praise. And the worship of praise is not necessarily just a song. It's a position. It's a a disposition in the heart that says, I'm going to praise you, God, regardless of what may go on. Because you are good. You are control. And my hope and my faith and my trust is indeed in you. He's declaring that whether with a lot or a little, I put my faith in you. I rejoice in you. I said to beforehand that we live in a world where we are in the pursuit of happiness. I wonder if we can just speak to that just for, just for a moment. We now live in a culture where we insulate ourselves from pain and trial. We insulate. Now, I'm not saying we should go after pain and trial. <laughs> but I've found that pain and trial will come our way. And when we look at the Bible, actually, pain and trial and suffering is the whole way through the Bible. And we are living in a, particularly in our Western world now, where we are trying to insulate ourselves, where we run away from it, wherever possible. It's where any teachers here today will understand the phrase, you know, it's the lawnmower parents that come. I don't want my kids to experience any kind of pain and suffering. (laughs) And so they mow down things in front of their way. (laughs) It's why also my pet hates is that we see in some schools that, you know, everyone gets a ribbon, <laughs> you know, I don't want you to feel upset, okay, instead of saying, you came last, Johnny, sorry, mate, <laughs> maybe that's not your thing, you've all got gifts and abilities. Make, just go and do something different, it's okay, but we're trying to avoid this sense of disappointment or, 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 or pain, a bit of suffering, and I joke about that, but you understand what I'm saying, and what happens, instead of seeing pain and suffering as being something that actually can develop some character where we can actually then place our trust in God because we need to place our trust in God. Resilience becomes a bit of part of who we are. What happens is that we pursue happiness. And what happiness has become for many, and dare I say perhaps even some in church, not our church of course, but in the church, what happens is that happiness becomes kind of the, the tester of what is good and evil. That if I'm not feeling good, it must be because it's, because it's evil. But perhaps the trial or the circumstance or the lack of happiness that's on our, on our doorstep, God's actually wanting to operate and use it for a purpose greater than what we even understand at the time. And I wonder if we cannot necessarily be governed by happiness. Because happiness, one thing is for sure, it is it's temporary. It won't last. And that's why we, we bounce from thing to thing to thing because we've gone, next happiness, next happiness, next happiness, next happiness. And the thing is that we're not actually wanting to find the happiness. What Paul outlines here is that it's not the happiness, it's not those, the things that actually make me feel better. What actually makes me strengthened is being in and through Christ, he says. And so Paul is saying, i found the secret of being content. It's been found through him, he says. So I want to encourage us, Let's choose gratitude. I wonder what today you can be thankful for. And sometimes it's the simple things. Sometimes it's the most general, everyday things. Our our back room in the last couple of weeks it's sort of flooded a little bit because it's just it's, it floods because we had too much too much rain going on. And I actually said to our like it sucked. It wasn't comfortable. I didn't really like it. Um, and I wish it actually stopped raining every now and then because I just I hate seeing any moisture and so forth in the house but I thought myself I could focus on that which we can get fixed and we can sort it out or I can then focus on the fact that I've got this other whole house here that I live in I thank God for that we're all safe we're closing our back food in our bellies too much food in my belly but we've got food we got we've got our provisions being met I'm going to choose to be content. I'm going to choose to say, you know what? I've actually got more than enough right now. Choose gratitude. wonder where we can find ourselves living in gratitude. Number two. So number one, choose gratitude. Number two, let go of a fence. Let go of a fence. I've found that people who camp themselves in discontentment have a fence, watch this, of offence circled. I know you like that now today. Um, We find ourselves in places where there's a fence barraged around of offense. Let's look at what Paul says. So this, remember, this is Paul in the context. He's been waiting for people to come and help him out. And what he says, he says in verse 10, um, at last, it's kind of like saying at last, guys, seriously, you took your time, but at last you came and helped. But instead of going to a place of resentment, of bitterness, of anger, of going to a place where perhaps he starts to get his a few fingers out and starts you know, starts waving his hands. What he does, he says, he turns it around and says, I know you're concerned for me. See what he does? He, I know that you were concerned for me. And I just know that you had no way of being able to show it at the time. So instead of going to place a place of blame, in place of anger, in place of like resentment towards the rest of the church, he flips it and says, it's okay. Like, I know that you actually had good intentions there. Now, I love the story of Joseph in the Bible. I think if I was going to find myself going to heaven, which I will be one day, um, in terms of the order of preferences, do you guys do the same thing as me? Where you sometimes think the first person I want to meet, um, I want to meet Jesus first, but then I think, I think high on that list I want to be able to meet will be Joseph. Um, I love the story of Joseph. It's just, it's the gospel, it's, it's redemption, it's reconciliation. It's just such a beautiful story in the book of, uh, in the book of Genesis. And, um, Joseph is in a he he has a bad day. He's he's, his brothers, they they plan to kill him. They throw him into a pit. He's then one one brother gets a bit sort of sorry for him and says, Oh, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Maybe let's just throw him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery. They tell his dad that he's now dead, he's gone. He's having a bad day. But not only is having a bad day, he then goes on on the journey where then he has to then uh, basically He's a slave. He gets mistreated as a slave. He gets thrown into jail a few times. But because he, this is, this is remarkable about who Joseph is, because he was still faithful to what God gave him, because he still recognized and used what God gave him in his hands, he still found himself in the place of contentment to the place where God kept on promoting him one after another, over and over and over again until he found himself uh, as basically second in charge of, of Egypt, which was the most powerful nation during that time. So here's a guy that went from being thrown into a pit to becoming second in charge of the most powerful nation. And one of the most amazing things that tells me that he lived in this place of contentment, that he had let go of offense, fence, was when in the chapter 50 of Genesis, his brothers come back in all desperation. And it's one of the most amazing scriptures that you can read, where basically he says, the brothers, they're trembling before him. They're scared. They're sort of really hoping that Joseph was their last hope. And they discover that Joseph is actually his brother. And suddenly they're thinking, oh, no, we're gone, because this man's powerful and we did wrong by them. But instead of, again, choosing to take resentment and maybe revenge, What takes place is that Joseph says in these words, he says, it's going to be okay. I forgive. Not only will I look after you, I'm going to look after your whole family. And provision takes place. Reconciliation takes place. Redemption takes place. Why? Because you let go of offense. Why? Because, now how do you let go of offense? You choose to forgive. And I wonder here this morning... Are there any people that we need to forgive? Are there situations that we need to let go of? Because like Paul found, that it can either make you bitter... Here's what happens with offense. You get an offense, you can choose what to do with that. You can either choose to forgive, or you can choose to hold on to the unforgiveness. If you choose to hold on to unforgiveness, you become bitter. I can guarantee, if you walk by someone in a shop somewhere, or know someone who's bitter... The root of that is because there's somewhere along the line there's unforgiveness that's taken place in their life. I know this is going to be heavy right now, but I want to encourage us. When we forgive, we release that person from the cage of our hearts and we become free as, as a result of it. And I wonder here this morning if we can release forgiveness, release circumstances, release moments in our life that will indeed actually help us to be able to find ourselves living in this contentment more and more so number one choose gratitude number two forgive quickly release forgive release forgiveness number three i want to encourage us to embrace every season this is a hard thing to do especially when your season doesn't look that pretty now unlike most people here i actually really enjoy winter (laughs) i look forward to anyone who loves winter Oh, there's a few people here, that's good. I love I love winter. I love the snow. I love what it means to be brought with the um you know it comes with you know nice big clothes and I've got this theory that you can only remove so many clothes before it's inappropriate, you can always put more clothes on. So um, you know, I, I love feeling the warmth um, of, of winter. And uh, but here's the thing, like seasons come and go. That's why they're called seasons. And I actually I love talking to older people. Um, I won't ask for any hands if you're over 60 here, but I, I, I love people who have lived a bit of life. I actually find that they've got a better grasp on what it means to be content than what some of us younger guys, and I say us because I feel like I need to say us, mean me. And me. <laughs> I'm really looking for these guys over here. We, we find ourselves, because why? Because they've understood the seasons, they come and they go. They come and they go you've got your good seasons, we embrace them, we love them, we have joined them, we we thank God for them. But in the same way, those seasons, they'll, they'll shift a little bit. We have other seasons that you think, holy smokes, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this hole right now. We've all had those, right? And God provides. God is faithful. God is always one that we can put our hope and trust in. And when we find ourselves understand that these seasons, they come and go, we find ourselves being able to embrace the seasons. And instead of having a complaint in our heart that says, God, why are you doing this to me? Maybe better questions come out of our hearts and says, God, what are you trying to show me now? What are you trying to prune in my life right now? What are you going to help me to be able to produce fruit better for the future? And we find ourselves asking better questions when we have a contentment going on that understands that here today i'm going to place my faith in you in whatever season i find myself let's look at verse 12 where paul says i know what it is i know what it is to be in need i know what it is to have plenty i have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry living or in plenty or in want what paul is saying here there's different seasons to life, <laughs> and I've figured out that whether it's lots or little, you, God, are still in control. Let me close with this scripture here today, and it's Paul again speaking. He's actually echoing the words of uh, Jesus from Matthew chapter six when Jesus gives a sermon on the mount, and he says these words: he "says True godliness with contentment. Watch this." Is great wealth. And this is not necessarily just talking about a financial thing. It's actually far greater than that. It's actually talking about an inner soul wealth. It's like a riches on the inside. After all, we bought so we, we all bought nothing with us when we came to this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. It's kind of sobering to think about what actually Paul deems to be what we can be content with. If you've got food, you've got clothing, that's enough. <laughs> so then it says in verse 17, it says, teach those who are rich in this world. And I actually Googled very quickly, what does it mean to be rich in this world? And basically it says it said that uh, if you earn more than $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world of wealth. Pretty crazy, right? 1%. That if you earn fifty thousand, you're in the top 0.1 of a percent of the world. Now, our Western culture today would suggest that probably most of us here, you guys soon, will be in that kind of position. And so we are what the world would redeem be as being quite wealthy. It says, teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust and his, if there's a, if there's a verse to take away from here today, this is this is the one. Their trust, your trust, C3 New Hope's trust, should be in God. My hope, and my prayer today is that your trust is not in any material, anything, anything you running after, but your hope is indeed in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, so that um, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, those, those three words that are so important, this is what we can do. This is, this is how we can partner with God. This is what we can, we can do in our, in our roles. By doing this, they will store up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. He's talking about heaven here. So that they may experience, and I love these words, I'm going to finish here today, true life. This here is not true life. It's not true life. We experience, we find true life even over here. And I wonder here this morning if I can pray for us collectively here today. And I'm going to remain at the front at the end of our service. If you want any special prayer, special, knowing that everyone's circumstances are different here today, but I wonder if we can commit to putting on the lens of contentment here today. I think we ask ourselves honestly, there might be an area of our life that we're longing to see change, dreaming for something different. And again, that's not wrong. I want to pray with you for those things because we believe in God and God knows the desires of our hearts but I also want to encourage us here today that if there are some areas or perspectives or circumstances of our lives that in our own strength we're wanting to try and change and run after and it's causing us to rush in life it's causing us to perhaps worry more I want to encourage us that we can can pray into that here today I want to have eyes closed, heads bowed. Well, we can just pray a simple prayer, but a powerful prayer here today. One that echoes Paul's thoughts. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. I think it's living. I think it's powerful. I thank you, Lord Father, that we can indeed learn from it. It can transform us, that revelation can indeed impact and transform our lives. God, we thank you for it. God, we give you the glory for the word here today we thank you for showing us the way and let's pray for our church here those in attendance those watching online that God you will indeed help us to find this contentment that Paul talks about that we may indeed discover the secret of what it means to be content that with little with lots whether well fed or hungry God we can place our trust in in you, God, I thank you that you have never once failed us. You have never once been unfaithful. But God, your promise is towards the very ends to be steadfast and true, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And God, I thank you that we can place our hope in you. God, I pray that as Paul uttered these words, that our strength may be found in you, not in circumstances, not in fleeting moments, not in, as uh, Solomon talks about, help us not to chase after the wind, I pray. But we may indeed be disciples, people who follow after you and have our trust in you in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.